God of the universe, maker of the stars, who am I? Welcome back, everybody, to Life on Purpose. You know who it is already by now, I'm sure, but we'll introduce it anyway for all the new folks out there. We, of course, have the infamous, or should I say famous, Mike Clayton. Yeah, definitely infamous. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got Mr. Daniel Clayton, Mr. David Covert, and myself, Ryan Cribs. Who is also known as the so multi-tool of life. Hey, I'll take it. I've been accused of a lot of things, but never that one. So I've been wondering. You know. I've been trying to come up with a way to describe you, Ryan, and that's that's the best I can do, buddy. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Are you talking like actual, like physical utility, or more like okay. a like a mental, factual, multi-tool? Because both okay. would be true. Swiss Army knife or Leatherman? Leatherman. Mm. Ah, that's what I was thinking too. Yep. I was thinking Leatherman too. That, all right, Mike and I are on the same page. That's yeah. good. Swiss, Swiss Army is way too cheap. That's Walmart brand now. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is true. Yes. Ryan, can you come back oh, to man. your? Uh, where, where were you going, man? Where was I going? Oh, I was just going to thank our listeners for joining us. Mm-hmm. And um, what what episode number are we on? Forty three. How about Ooh. that? Well, here we are. You guys that joined in, you just joined in for our 43rd episode. Yeah, we've covered a range of topics, Mm -hmm. ranging from from the deep philosophical questions of who am I even, Mm -hmm. who are you, Uh, not the the who song, but, you know, the actual question, who who are you, Mm -hmm. Um, all the way from there to deep conversations in the the line at angle i mean you know we really have <laughs> covered full 360 and now we're just kind of honing in on those little micro degrees in between so you know yes. that's what we do here <laughs> you know i was talking to one of our listeners this week guys and uh, they said to me so it seems like you guys just like have a, a word or a sentence and you just run with it is that true and it's like well yeah <laughs> yep yeah no, yeah, but it's more like we're things. already running, and then a word is thrown at us. <laughs> we just—it's a—it's a hail mary pass of a sentence, is what it is. Okay. Yes, okay. I would say that's true. Okay. So, well, with that, I guess let me pass it to you. What are you afraid of when it comes to the word fear? What would you say you fear most? Mm-hmm. Or now, what should you should we, fear most? Yeah, I was about to say, should we like, should we answer as if we don't know the answer or should we answer because we know the answer? (laughs) Well, Daniel, I guess the best way to do this is why are we talking about this? How did we get to this point tonight? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, So last Shabbat, um, it was just a, a concept that some of us would view as we stumbled into it, but for the person who actually brought it to the table, uh, Mr. Sharp, um, yeah. it's been a, it's been a, a topic that the Holy Spirit has impressed upon him very heavily and, and him and his wife have been walking in it, uh, this past week specifically, you know, really hoeing in on this concept of the fear of Adonai, the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and, and just the awe of him. And so that's why, that's why we kind of, 
are heading in this direction. Um, it's an important topic, something we should dive into because Proverbs is just littered with verses about fearing Adonai and how it is closely tied to wisdom. Um, but, you know, to bring it back around and say, you know, what are we afraid of? Um, the answer to that one should actually be nothing. The answer to what are we afraid of should be nothing. And mm -hmm. I say that because we have to deal with semantics here and how we kind of perceive mm -hmm. words. And I don't think that the word afraid really does service to the concept of fearing Adonai, just as far as people's common understanding of the words. So maybe we'll we'll start there. Okay. So I, I guess yeah. it comes down, should we be afraid of, of, of God? Or should we be fearing him? And that's where we're going to go. Interesting, you brought out uh, already the book of Proverbs. And so mm -hmm. I did just a quick, uh, you know, anybody can do what we do, okay? As far as these these word studies that people do mm -hmm. and research, okay, it's not that difficult, folks. If you've got a mm -hmm. computer or a, a, mm -hmm. you know, or, or a phone or whatever, I use Blue Letter Bible a lot of times. And so here, I'll give everybody a, a little bit of a, piece of homework, uh, go to Blue Letter Bible and type in the words, the fear of, hmm. and look at uh, specifically the book of Proverbs, Daniel, and it talks about the fear of 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 God and the fear of the Lord, the fear of Adonai, uh, brings us to wisdom, understanding, knowledge, a number of other things, and is used those three words together, like that exact match, are used 17 times. Mm-hmm. Now, let me just throw something yep. out here, and then I'll I'll turn it over to you guys. 18 in Hebrew concept is the number of life. So is it possible that if we're getting the fear of right in our lives, it will bring us into life? I would agree with that. I want to jump in on that whole concept, because I think that the semantic part was, I think, is definitely the most important, because we look at fear and we like to just make a bunch of like all the synonyms that go with fear and go, Oh yeah, afraid all that. It's like, it's, it, there's definitely a difference because we see an Adam and Eve story, right? Mm -hmm. We see when they ate of the fruit and then God walks in the midst of the garden, then they were afraid and hid, right? Mm -hmm. Not the same thing as fearing of the Lord. That's not the same exact. It's mm -hmm. there's some similarities, but it's not the exact same thing. I would argue, I would, um, mm -hmm. I think there would definitely be some, but the, the idea of is what's the intent? Where is that coming from? Because I think it's not the same fear that Proverbs is talking about of being afraid and hiding from God. That's how you get knowledge. No, that's not true. That's not how this, I don't think that's how this works. Whereas we see the fear of Moses, for instance, right? That says, this is your job you're to do. I mean, there's many people you pick from, but Moses is the one that I think is a good point. Uh, where God talks to him, tells him, this is what you're to do. And through fear was, well, are you, are you sure? I, I don't, my, my voice, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Can I actually do this? To then the transformation of Moses then going, I revere you so much. And we'll throw that word in now God. with my reverence of you and how I've been seeing you and going through all these trials and how you've saved us from Egypt and everything. Can I see you face to face? Whoa, that's that that's a big difference from Moses of well, I can't speak to Moses going, let me see your all your glory. Yeah. Like, whoa, that's wild. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Yes. So I want to take this, uh, I guess, a uh, direction here. Speaking of Proverbs, um, we read that it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all understanding. Yeah. Which is interesting how it phrases it phrases that, the beginning of all understanding, which means that the fear of the Lord in itself must be the lens through which all understanding is perceived. Mm. Hmm. And if that was the case, and I mean, it literally says all understanding. So everything from science mm-hmm. to relationships to, well, you name it, it should come from this baseline. So therefore, I guess maybe what I'm, I'm looking at here is, some would say the reverence, maybe, the reverence mm-hmm. of the Lord. That's part of it but also seeing what he says about things. What are his opinions? So before we go and we look at a subject, we must first see what he has to say about the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, and I specifically bring this up because we live in a day and time where people are, and we've talked about this before on the program, people are living their own truths. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so the question must be raised, well, what is truth? Right? Well, according to them, it would depend on what lens you're looking at it. But according to this verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all understanding. Therefore, we must understand it through his eyes and what he says. That it must be our baseline for our lives. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. Like I think I think that was very well put. Um to to kind of to backtrack to get to where you are. As far as the question is, it's a very tough question. What does it even mean to fear him? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's one that non-believers or skeptics of uh, skeptics of people who believe in God uh, will kind of point to that. Like, why would you intentionally follow a God that commands you to be fearful of him? You know, all these kind of things. Uh, why would you want to follow a God that you would fear? These, you know, just things along those lines. And it's a good question. And it's not one that should be answered, or could be answered flippantly or easily. And if you treat it like it is an easy question, then you're probably missing something. Um, because truly, there's so many aspects of this to balance. Like there is the Moses section where the holiest man on the planet at that point was Moses. And he was not even allowed to see God face to face. He was only allowed to see his back and dwell in the his glory surrounded by clouds and darkness and these kind of things. And so taking just that example, it's like, you know what? <laughs> we don't have a really good chance of, of seeing any part of his magnificence. But then you forward to Yeshua and what he did. And what Yeshua did was he brought heaven to earth and he became the mediator for us to be able to partake in God's glory in a different way and in a renewed, bigger way. And so you have to put those things together. And so you, you bring those things together. You see that Yeshua did the work for us to be able to be closer to God. And then you have to ask, like, okay, now that I see this big picture, what does it even mean to fear God still? Because as a father through children, I don't want my children to fear me yeah. in the traditional sense of the word. I, I want them to respect me. Uh, I, I desire that, and I think that's a that's a biblical precedent is to for the father to be respected um, and to be honored. 
But if I were to rule the house from a position of inflicting fear, Mm -hmm. I would not be a good father. I do not think that's a good precedent. That's not a good mold to fit your fatherhood around. It has to be based in love um, because love covers a multitude of sins and mercy triumphs over judgment, all these kind of things. And so it's got to be a different kind of fear as an introduction there. (laughs) Yeah. Let me take a run at this. Uh, I'm just kind of thinking through a, you guys know I'm I'm kind of, I'm uh, famous for my one-liners. Let me give you a new one. What I fear, I don't need to be afraid of. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll backtrack on that one just a bit and use the word reverence. So what I reverence, I don't need to be afraid of. Give you an example. Um, Because I have a reverence for the law of gravity, I do not need to be afraid of the law of gravity. So if Mm -hmm. I if I reverence, uh, you know, um, as as uh, both myself and Daniel's mom, uh, likewise known as my wife, uh, we both (laughs) wear traffic controllers, and I've watched. And the restricted areas that we controlled up in Alaska, I've watched people jump out of perfectly good helicopters. And I never really wanted to do that. Uh, not really that I'm afraid of heights. Uh, I'm not really afraid of the fall, but I am really terrified of sudden stops at the bottom. <laughs> okay. And so that reverence of the of of gravity causes me a safety factor regarding the law of gravity. So if I am walking in reverence, awe, fear of the Almighty, then I don't need to be afraid of him. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I think from from what you're saying, that idea of, see, like, I'm afraid of something that, or I'm in fear of something that I'm not afraid of. I, I like that point because I'm, the number one thing I was thinking as you, as uh, Ryan was wrapping up, Dan was talking. The uh, point from uh, trying to remember where it was founded. The uh, the verse that states it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I can't mm-hmm. think of it off the top of my head. I'll have to look up the verse where it is. Mm-hmm. That that's that idea of it's fearful to fall into the hands of the living God. Um, oh, finally, my. Oh, and then so then that verse as it continues, it's uh that's that's your point. That's why I knew that verse was gonna be there. So it's Hebrews, uh Hebrews 1031. If anyone else wants to look that up, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of living God. But those living in covenant and loyalty and faithfulness need not to have fear, need to have no fear of God. To your point. So that was like, man, that, that verse is nagging me so bad. But to your point, you're exactly right. I am absolutely like that. That it's a little bit of a semantics game. So you're right, Daniel. That whole point of this isn't just simple. It's not like, oh yeah, let me just throw that flippantly out there. There's a little mm-hmm. bit to unpack here because it is something we have to be afraid of, or like you say, gravity. But I think I want to look at the. Uh, we'll see if this runs into anything. Uh, we're driving down the highway and you see a cop. What do you do? In fear of the law coming down on you, you hit the brakes. You're just, I'm assuming I'm going too fast, so I'm just going to hit the brakes a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. For fear of the law coming against me. And then we're happy when we mercifully continue on and 
the cut does not pull mm -hmm. out. <laughs> so you're within the yeah, law. and that's a, uh, exactly yes. Mm -hmm. I was going to say the same thing. Like okay. you, you don't have to be afraid of it because you know what it is, and you can choose whether or not to live within the confines of it. Um, yeah. And it's only when you are dwelling outside of the confines that you you understand that you're now in a position that you do need to be afraid. Um, and I think, you know, I think reverence is honestly the, the, the closest word that we have to really kind of capture what it is to tie the two together. Because if you don't revere God, then you're not acknowledging the magnitude of who he is and the, just the unfathomable parts of him. But Another thing, and the dad, this is something you brought out on Shabbat, and I think that this is the, the best example that I've ever heard. Uh, I don't know if you came up with it or if it was someone else, but we're just going to say it was you for now. <laughs> but this is the best example I've ever heard of what it would mean practically to fear God. And it's the, it's the um, account in the scripture where Peter is out all night, he's fishing, he doesn't catch anything, oh, and Yeshua yeah. calls to him and says, "Hey, put your put your nets out again." And Peter's like, "And you can anyone who's watched the Chosen, you know, you can." There's that whole build up to the scene, and I think they did a really good job with it. You know, the the, the backstory, whatever, creative licensing, um, but he's like, "I've been out here all night." And he knows his stuff, and Yeshua's standing there, and so here's this guy that Peter doesn't really know, probably saying. Hey, let me tell you how to fish. And so you can imagine the thing that you're best at is someone telling you how to do it after you've done it all night long and you're super grumpy. So that's the back. That's the, that's the buildup here. Um, but he says, cast out your nets. And so he finally does it. And then Peter, at the end of all this, he runs up to Yeshua and he falls at his feet. So he's, he's running toward that which he acknowledges is holy and that which he acknowledges is true and who he's, you know, believing to be Messiah at this point. But then the, his words are, get away from me. I am a wicked and sinful man. Yeah. And so it's the holy tension between it's, it's and dad, how you described it, it was just so beautiful that it's like, I want you to be by my side and I do not want to leave you. I want to run up to you and grab onto you with all that I am. And yet I am sinful before you and you are so holy that i just cannot be in your presence so it's just that tension of like i i know that i i shouldn't be here but i can't not be here um i just i love that so much and i think that it's one of those concepts you're only going to understand more as you get older because if you try to explain this to a younger person who hasn't experienced much it's going to be harder to understand because the longer you go through life and the more hardships you face, the more you realize how much we actually need him. And so that, that kind of understanding only grows with time. Rhino, I'll give it to you, but first let me, uh, before I forget my uh, acknowledgement to uh, friend and colleague, Barry Phillips, for that message on um, the tension of holiness. And it's found in Luke chapter five, I believe it is, Ryan. <laughs> You bringing up the story of, of Peter and uh, sort of seeing that relationship with Yeshua, how that develops. This reminded me of, and I'm I'm actually stealing some notes from this because we had talked about doing a uh, podcast on it um, a couple weeks ago, the the parable of the wedding feast. Yeah. 
And uh, in that, we see a picture of this king. His son is getting married. Uh, of course, we can draw a correlation there to Yeshua, the Messiah, and Israel, uh, his bride. And so he, he goes out and he starts inviting people to come. And to kind of tie it into this episode, we see that those that he invites have no fear and no reverence for the great king that is inviting them through his own goodness and grace and mercy. And so they deny him. And I found this really wonderful quote, I thought, um, speaking of this sort of tension of the, the tension of holiness, I think you yeah. said. And this also goes back to Moses that you mentioned as well. Um, the things that he saw and, and also the way that, you know, as he's descending the mountain, you know, having spent this time in God's presence and he's got the, the law, the, the very thing that they should fear that we've just talked about, uh, that they should give reverence to. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll read it. It says, If men turned their backs on Moses with his stony tables, I do not marvel that they too would despise the loaded tables of grace heaped up with oxen and fatlings. This is strange. For to resist the justice of God is a crime, but to repel the generosity of heaven, what is this? We must invent a new term of infamy with which to brand the base ingratitude. To resist God in the majesty of terror is insanity, but to spurn him in the majesty of his mercy is something more than madness. For sin reaches its climax when it resolves to starve sooner than owe anything to divine goodness. Mm. I thought that was somewhat fitting to, you know, since we're speaking of fear, and you've brought up this term several times, um, Daniel, the magnitude. Is it also possible that we can fear the magnitude of his mercy? <laughs> there it is. That was the one. Fearing the magnitude of his mercy. Wow. Can, can, can you try to explain that a little, a little bit, Ryan? I'm going to do the best I can because it okay, just kind of hit I'm, me I mean, out I got of nowhere. the words running around in my head and I'm trying to figure out how to go for it. Okay, I, I'll come at it from two angles. One, uh, like we just saw Peter mm -hmm. yeah. realizing I'm a I'm a, a sinful man. Yeah. And and fearing the approach of Yeshua, even coming close to him. And the other is, there may be those in our lives who have done things or committed acts to us that we would deem perhaps unforgivable. Mm. That doesn't show much reverence for the Father's capacity to forgive them or use them. Mm. Yeah. That's a good point. The whole, the whole concept of, you know, that he talks, uh, one of the parables about even the, the servant who owed debts that did not forward the forgiveness of debts mm -hmm. to, to his servant. Um, I'm almost envisioning like 
this this scene where uh, a servant walks up to a king and he has these troubles before him and in the king he ha- he has two both hands open and in one hand is the judgment and in, in the other hand is the mercy and as you're walking up to the king like you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's going to hand you mercy when you come in humility but the fact that you also see the judgment through your own lens in the same in the same scene um it's like if he's so powerful that he could judge me and judge me righteously the fact that he would that he would cast mercy on me knowing that i deserve the judgment is the, the fact that he is that much that much power as well is equally as hmm. as um something <laughs> I'm, I'm chomp if i may i'm chomping at the bit here uh because yeah. this is one of mike's stories uh, one of my favorite teachings of covenant mephibosheth this is the perfect example i think of what we're talking mm. about here he is he's on the run from king david because in his mind he's thinking you know i am a son or i guess a grandson of the former king mm-hmm. and i'm going to be put to death because of tradition mm-hmm. at those times and the day finally comes and he is called before king david and he falls before him and he says what what, what would you, you have, have to, to do with a dead dog as i yes and you so eloquently sum it up at the end of that teaching mike of david coming to him and perhaps him seeing those scars of covenant on his wrist and then realizing when the, the lands are restored to him that he will be able to eat even though he's crippled he's, he'll be able to eat at the king's table and be honored the magnitude of mercy from someone from the one he feared the most mm-hmm. david you've been quiet yeah I've been quiet just absorbing all this in i think i want to the thing I, I this this topic is bringing back to me too is we don't we we don't see this too often in the scripture but we this magnitude of uh how do we put it the uh fear of the magnitude of his mercy right we know that there's evidence that this exists because we see in in i, I can't remember how many times god says this to moses but he literally tells him if only they would fear me, this would this would be so much. It's almost like he's like, if only they just understood what all these other people were talking about, like how they had this fear. If they only stayed here, this would go so well for them. They would never have an issue at this point. And so we know that even God Himself wants this so bad. He wants to He wants to bring mercy for us every time. He wants that so bad. But then there's some things, there's this, and you mentioned it, Mike, I think there's this, just like we have gravity, we mentioned gravity now. We have to understand that there is a universal force that happens, and it is between the holy and secular. There is this, there is two very opposing views, and maybe secular isn't the right word, but maybe it's holy and evil. I don't know what it is, but there's these two polar opposites. You can't, there's life and death, there's holy and 
let's define it as uh, unholy for, simp for simplicity terms. It is a universal law that has to exist. So when God tells the people how to approach him, that they must be this way, they have to do this. It's like, doesn't matter if you don't understand why you have to do all these things to get to this point. I'm telling you, this is how you have to do it. So in the case of David, for example, go back to David. He, and his heart was so bad to bring the ark back. But because of a lack of knowledge, because of lack of understanding, yeah. they tried to stable the cart and that servant died immediately. Did that servant had the best intention? I bet he did. I bet he was executing his orders to the, to the very best. What was David was David's response? Was it anger and lashing back out at God? No, it was maybe I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe I need to look at this again. And then upon further examination of fearing what God did, because of course, everyone was probably, I don't think anybody, <laughs> any one of those servants were like, nope, I'm not touching that. <laughs> I'm not touching that. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to be, that's a suicide and mission. To round out what you're saying, it goes back to what Ryan brought up that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all understanding. And it's almost like those two things work in a cycle with each other where you start out and we've talked about this before in the past, essentially like do it without understanding until you can do it with understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and so you, you start out with fearing him because he says to, and that brings understanding. And then you start to understand why he said to do that and why you should fear him and all these kind of things. And so it's, it, it's just, again, it's what we've talked about before you do it. And that is what brings understanding. It's not knowing it. It's not uh, understanding it that will bring the understanding. It's the doing it and the obeying mm -hmm. it that will start the process. And that's probably yeah. why they, you know, why he so, put that in the scripture, that it's the beginning of understanding. Because yeah, David so, could have been just, oh, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead, David. Yeah, so David could have easily been just like lost all hope in doing what he was set out to do. But you're right. He said, no, I'm going to get into this and figure it out. And of, of course, I would offer that probably the spirit or something led him to realize where the mistake was done so that they could remedy it, fix it, and move on. And of course, it mm -hmm. with great jubilation, they were able to bring it back in. Of yeah. course, we, that's a whole other topic. But you're, you're right. I've learned to say that it, all that kind of brings it back together. God wants us to, wants us to be doing the right thing. But there's that, there's that tension you talked about, like that holy tension. There has to be respect for that, and that's where his reverence has to be involved. You think that I don't think that he wanted to kill that man who who yeah. reached out to stabilize it, yeah. but it had to be. Just like in the temple, there's areas not every person could go into right. because of purity, holiness, etc. So this is this is can be thought. Let's think of this as a process. Okay, um, I, I know this in in trying to raise children. Um, that you have to establish the boundaries, all right, in your child's life. You have to, first of all, uh, establish some boundaries, and those boundaries have to be with judgment. So if you, you tell a child, and I've watched Daniel and Catesby do this with their children, uh, if, a, if a child goes to do something that they were told not to do, there is a consequence, that uh, that consequence may be 
you know, the glue stick stick on the wrist. It may be a little swat on the the back side of the front side. You know, it, there there are some circumstances. There are some consequences for that action. But as a child grows, and I think Daniel, you mentioned this of time and 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 how the as as time goes by and our relationship with the Almighty becomes more mature, that is to change. And so the beginning, what we could call fear of judgment, should end up in a in an, in a reverence and awe of who he is. So the reason that we are following what he says, going as Ryan said, looking through the lens of who he is and what he has told us is not out of fear, but I am in awe of who he is. Daniel heard me say this. He's heard, you know, so I probably said on this program, there's one word in the English language that I relegate only to him. Uh, I don't know that in the last years I've used this maybe once or twice outside of the context, was based upon uh, Rich Mullins became very famous uh, for one for one song, and it wasn't step by step. It was Awesome God. Yeah, and it's a very mm -hmm. simple song. Nobody knows the 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 verse to it. Everybody knows the chorus. Our God is an awesome God. The the one word in the English language that I use only in reference to Him is the word awesome. I can look at it. Mm -hmm. Anything else of creation, uh, whatever? No, I will not use that word consciously, except in 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 reference to my Creator. Mm -hmm. So to that I'm point, I mean, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you <laughs> so can go for it. Go I'll uh, I'll jump in here with that because I I hear you, Mike, on that where it's with awesome. Because he is. We started out the program with something, and I think that there's a there's a point in all of that. And I think now it's the time to talk about it. So, to whoever's listening, we've given a pretty good, I think, overall pretty great, with some surface, some depth, idea of fear of God. And I think it's a pretty overall, pretty well-rounded area we've talked about where it's what level and depth. But we started the program with a, with a question what do you fear? Yeah. And if we look at that idea of who do you, or what do you fear? We all now can look at this and go, okay, obviously we fear God. That's the, that's the thing we should be fearing of. But is that the only thing you fear? I would, I would, I more than likely understand and know that those of you listening, those of us here talking, that is not the only thing we fear. There are lots of things that like to come at us from all different angles to try to get us to be fearful of things, whether it be is the biggest, a big thing of death or finances, or even down to something is um, not to minimize it at all, but to, let's just pick something that maybe not everyone fears. Um, for me, it's like fear of spiders. Like that's not my thing. I don't generally care about spiders, but other people absolutely do. Let's just pick on that one. It's not because it's a, a little thing. We're using it only as an example, right? Fear of little things, little things that maybe we, that really do not harm us or do not hurt us at all versus things that like, wow, I could walk outside and die because a car, it's 
the percent and likelihood and yada, yada, yada. But mm -hmm. the fear of those things is only pointing to something, right? The fear of, mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear y'all's, what y'all think about this. If you're fearful of those certain things, especially even more so than the fear of God, what is that saying? I would offer to say that that is absolutely something that is in place of where God needs to be. And that fear is there's something else there. There's something wrong there. Something that needs to be looked into with a little bit more care. Because um, you can do all, it says in the Bible over and over, you can do all things. So if that's there, what, where, where's, where's the holdup? I wanted to see what you guys think about that. Where, what, what comments you guys think are. Right. Well, that, uh, that's interesting you brought that up because the second you started going, I was just like rolling through in my head all the different like fear that we, the common ones, fear of failure, mm. fear of death, fear of financial ruin, fear of, you know, uh, and like Mike said, you know, I, we, we should fear something and, and not be afraid of it in reverence to God. Um, but like you said, Dave, these are things that begin to be gods to us, perhaps, alongside the one true God that we put up up there. You know, yes, I fear God, but. Mm -hmm. you know, yes, I fear God, and he told me he gave me this, this gift or talent to use, but. You know. Mm -hmm. I and, think there's some. Well, go for it, Mike. Dale, go for it. Yeah, it was, it was interesting you brought that up because what I was going to say uh, before you started was that um, the enemy does not go after things that don't matter. He's going to go after the things that affect him and that are th uh, threatening to him. Mm. And he only perverts things that in, the, in and of themselves or that in their purest form are holy and good. And so the enemy uses the fear of things and you know you guys mentioned a few of them and he does that because he's trying to he's trying to steal everything we have he's trying to steal our love for god and for people and point love toward money or toward uh just you know sinful things he's trying to take our holy fear away from god and point it toward other things and there's there's tons I, that's one of those things we could go along endlessly um, but I think I found that a lot of things boil down to the fear of man. And God is very specific in saying, why would you fear man who can only kill the body and not touch the soul? Why not fear the one who can take the body and the soul? And so what is the fear of man? It's not, it's not like the fear of the man that's going to punch you in the face. That's not necessarily it, you know, that kind of, it's, mm -hmm. Um, when God tells you to do something and you're like, oh, but then I would look stupid. You are making your decision based upon the fear of man. And there's some people, um, there's a guy named Sean Foyt who was doing outdoor worship events, uh, in the, in the COVID time because they shut down the churches in California. That's where he was. He went to the beaches and he started hosting these worship events all over the country. Um, even in, in Chicago and Portland and Seattle in New York City, like, if I had to pick one person, like, that's human that I know about, that does not struggle with the fear of man, it would be him. Because there's just there was so many times throughout that whole thing, he was charging into Chicago, 
and they were taking their instruments away and he's like i don't care what you do i'm going to worship my god in this town and you're not going to stop me and so the fear of man is a huge one i think um and then the enemy also loves to make us fear him and that is a very significant part of my testimony and something that i struggled with uh for the vast majority of my life uh was fear of the demonic basically you could say there's just, there was just a lot of things like that maybe someday we'll go into that mm-hmm. but um again he only perverts the things that are that are righteous when they are as they should be would it be then that this whole like cuz we're talking about like like i think you have a good point there's a lot of fears that can really be summed down to just fear of man and then everything kind of boils from that i, I hear you there i think that that's the idea is the enemy is using fear of whatever it is like right whatever it is that is trying to deter you away from what we're trying to talk to every all of you mm-hmm. <laughs> listening about your purpose mm-hmm. trying to use all those things to be such a distraction because yes there has been things done to you there has been things happened and you feel this way or certain things yes there is but it's your battle to go after it's your battle to fight against whatever that fear is because not everyone has the same fear that you do and that's i think that's where the point of our program is to talk to you about fear of god there's a lot of people that can boil down word analysis and all that stuff and that's great but i think our purpose to talk to you guys as being life on purpose in this episode if you're fearful of something wonderful you've exposed it you see it now you can go after it now you can figure out what's wrong with it and go Mm -hmm. after what's causing you to maybe go away from your passion you might have a fear of um flying let's say but god wants you to go places that's right overcome it's for you to overcome and it's not it's allowed so that through the trial of looking through all that fear there's something else that's bigger that happens because it's exposed like we talked about the Mm -hmm. fear of with fear of god comes the knowledge understanding that's what you're getting by going after something that you're fearful of because i've seen the same thing because i'm fearful of stuff but when i face fear there's something else that happens when learning and understanding i think all you guys could say the same thing when you face the thing you fear the most and you decide okay god i need you with me in this moment some things just unlock faster than yeah. it would be reading a book about it. It just unlocks and you're like, mm-hmm. I got it. I can do this. Mm-hmm. So I want to leave you mm-hmm. encouraged from what we're talking about today. And I want to, I want to supplement what you just said with saying, uh, cause it just kind of clicked in my head when you were talking that I talked about the cycle of, you know, fear, the fear of Adonai leads to understanding. And then you start to understand what it means to fear him. That applies to everything else too. The fear of flying is a, it's a cyclical thing. You mm-hmm. start fearing it and then you start understanding all the things that can happen when you fly. And then you start fearing it more and it's a cycle. And that applies to every single thing that you could possibly fear, mm-hmm. but it's all going to prevent you from being who you're supposed to be and going where you're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. It's funny if, if you actually look at it at the face of it, the fearing should be the simple thing because does it not also say that uh, even the demons know my word and and fear are the in demons tremble believe mm-hmm. and tremble believe and tremble yeah. exactly <laughs> are we the only species that struggles with the fact of actually fearing that which should <laughs> be feared 
maybe that's Ryan, maybe that's why he wrote the verse that Daniel um, alluded to. I, I just turned to this verse when you alluded to it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 10, it says, do not fear those who kill the body and are powerless. Okay, L let me put it. Do not fear those who kill the body and are powerless to kill the soul. Rather, mm -hmm. fear him who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. And it goes on, it says, aren't two sparrows sold for next to nothing? Two for an Assyrian, which is, I don't know how much that is, not a whole lot. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's consent. As for you, every hair on your head has been counted. So do not be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. Well, I mean, that sums it up right there. If, if that's a verse for uh, what fear of uh, what, how did we say it just a little bit ago? Fear of uh, mercy. What was the line we just said a little bit ago? Yeah. Yeah, fear the of magnitude, magnitude, of his magnitude of his mercy. Yeah, yeah. The magnitude of his mercy. <laughs> Let me right go back to there. that, Ryan. Uh, I, I want to go back to that because there was something that was said about the um, about the two Daniel. I think you were the one that said, you know, we we approach him and we see judgment in this hand and mercy in this hand, and maybe the pro maybe the problem is not a good word there, but I don't have another one for it right now because I'm just I'm thinking through this as it's coming out. Is that if we were to look at those two hands? We, we taught on this on this program a number of episodes ago about for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and we can put our name in there. You know, a person that knows they have sinned, uh, that, that maybe is one of the greatest revelations a person can have. Because that revelation will drive you to him. Mm -hmm. The revelation of me as a fallen man will drive me to my Redeemer. That'd be a program. Mm -hmm. So if we, if, if I approach him, metaphorically, if I approach him and I see in one hand judgment, I, I understand that. I understand that hand. I understand what it's holding. I understand the consequences of it. I understand that I am worthy of that hand, what is in that hand. But when I look at the hand of judgment, I cannot for the life of me fathom why I would be worthy of that. I think mm. that you hear this come from other people to your point that you're talking about, that I've never, I've only got to experience it from the outside, but I've heard from others who have experienced the, um, the magnitude of what you feel when you are faced before a judge. Mm -hmm. In our country, we have a judge and jury. When it comes to our heavenly father, he is judge, jury, and executioner, all in yeah. one, <laughs> all in one. And, but to understand that the judge in our country can override things so you still have to have that respect when you go before the judge no matter what because judge can go you know what i'm going to go to the full extent of what the law can do to you and i'm going to rule in that in that favor like 
understanding that that's how bad it can, that's how rough it can be, but then mercy can be extended. That's, that's the picture I got in my mind, Mike, when you were talking about that whole idea and then facing a judge and understanding that and hearing what other people, how they've talked about and how they've gone through that process. And they were instead given mercy instead of the full weight of the law being bore down upon them. Yeah, put some things into perspective. <laughs> That'll uh, make him have a little pep in your step. Yeah. And so what do you think then God going... That, like you said that that like you said that it's not it's not really a problem. It's more of an under I think that more of an understanding, if anything, understanding that there's there is two options. And the more I've realized and how you see how your own daily walk, let's link that other verse where it says, "It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of living God, mm-hmm. but no fear to those who walk with Him, who love Him, who show Him kindness." I'm ad living a little bit of that. But you do those things, there's no fear there. But you know what you deserve. And I think that's something that, wow. And it, I think that even freezes us up even from doing our purpose. We feel like, well, there's nothing. I, I, do, I don't do this. And, or, or, oh, I grew up in this household and I, I had to go through all these other things. And I'm, I know what I deserve and I will just not go up because... I'm a sinful person, so I won't even walk up to the Creator. Okay. When he says it, continues on within Matthew, or what did, was it, Mark or Matthew, what that verse you just brought up, he's like, You're worth more than birds. Yeah. yeah. Come forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Come here. Oh, or Isaiah 1, right? Isaiah 1, let's reason together. Though your sins be like scarlet. My favorite verses because our the fall feasts are coming rapidly up. That's one of my favorite chapters is Isaiah one. Though your sins be like scarlet, they will be as white as wool. If you just but fear me, it's like that he desires us so much to just come up before him just to say, yes, I've done all these things, but I just want to follow you. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> man. Mm-hmm. And. It's one of those things where we under, we start to understand who he is and what he can do. And then the same, that same power that he has that we see as we're walking up, knowing that we deserve the judgment and getting the, and yet getting the mercy, that same power that pours that out once we enter into it also then protects us. And so it's just one of those things we walk into it and then you know that the same God who had the power to strike you down at any point in your sin is now fighting for you and he never leaves or forsakes you. And (laughs) I don't know. It's just. Hmm. That line from the Sador is ringing in my head, Dave, uh, uh, who is like you, a master of uh, mighty legions. Mm -hmm. Um, how does it go? Uh, um, who creates life? Oh, I know. Can, can you finish me. that for me? Um, sorry, Dad, again, more quick. Who, who causes death or restores life and uh, makes salvation to sprout? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's in the Amida, the part where you're yep. entering into that sacred space. You're entering into that. And it's it has everything to do, I believe, has everything to do with Yeshua. And it's talking about how he brings, he causes death, restores life, makes pe- uh, 
mm-hmm. make salvation sprout. You are faithful to resurrect the dead. Wow. Faithful. Mm. Everything. I, I'm thinking about this song. Daniel, what's the song? Uh, what's the lyrics on the song? This is how I fight my battles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, it, may, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got that song stuck in my head now. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's, it's not a bad one to get stuck there, believe me. No, it that's isn't. a good one. It isn't. Well, well get, let's, let's do some closing thoughts. And uh, I, I want to maybe, um, Ryan, there's, there's something you said originally that I want to come back to. Uh, maybe we'll do this next week unless something else comes up. But uh, looking at the world through the lens of God. Mm-hmm. I, I, like I want to. I think maybe that is a great topic for maybe even multiple programs. That how do we do that? What's the practical issues? So everybody, stay tuned for uh, for next week. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's let's run around it, guys. Uh, closing closing comments. This one's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to keep keep. <laughs> but <laughs> I want to leave you guys all who've decided to listen to us for yakking about fearing of God. And I hope you came away with something. It wasn't a super detailed technical analysis. We're not going to be that. We're going to bring up some important things that we feel that we've seen in life. And I know that every single one of us just did that just now. And I think that you have got to understand that thinking, I think the biggest thing I want to leave you with is do not fear that you are invaluable that you do not have any that god can't use you because things experiences whatever you are absolutely capable of doing a job and a purpose within the kingdom of who god is yeah and his kingdom needs all kinds of workers do not for one second think because you don't didn't have the lifestyle of some of the greatest preachers and some of the greatest rabbis this world has seen that you can't make a difference because you can and fear will stop you dead in your tracks fearing of man fearing of all these other things other than god will stop you dead in your tracks so if you keep moving forward you will have plenty to do and succeed in his kingdom well said to kind of piggyback off that while you were talking i was thinking of the other places we see fear in scripture uh it's usually when somebody encounters an angel or a messenger from god Mm -hmm. I'm gonna steal this line from somebody I heard. I can't. I can't remember who, but he said, "You you always see two two word phrases uh, when an angel shows up. Fear not, and mm-hmm. get up." <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. <laughs> Which means who they're addressing has fallen on their face because they are so terrified in fear yeah. of just one angel. Because that angel mm-hmm. is so big and so powerful. And yet that angel commands them not to fear him because he's pointing back to who, the one who sent him. Mm-hmm. And it says when two or more are gathered together, there's 10,000 of those that are mm-hmm. sent in flight. So think about in your life, if, if one has to use the phrase, fear not and get up, imagine what 10,000 can do. Mm-hmm. I think that puts our earthly fears in a little more perspective compared to our what our fear of God should look like. And I think that ties well with what I was going to say 
at least the second part, the first part was I was thinking of Yeshua in the garden that I think he probably felt the fear of God at that point because he was about to get the full wrath of God poured out upon him. Mm-hmm. And, and so even the Messiah feared God. He was God, and yet he feared God. I, I think that she could probably say that about the, that scene in the garden. Um, but I was challenged recently to, and, and this is where I think it ties in well with what you're saying, Ryan, to go a whole day reminding yourself in every single moment that you are in Messiah and that you are one with Messiah. It's one of the most simple truths there is, and yet it's one of the most powerful and the, the most simple things often are the most powerful, that we are in Messiah and that we are one with him. And again, if one angel can do that, what can 10,000 do? What can Yesh- us being in Yeshua and one with him do? We have nothing to fear at all. We only have to fear God, Adonai, Yahweh, the one who created who created us, who sustains us, and who loves us with a fierce love. Wow. Mm, that's good. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Hey, and once again, we quoted Chris Sharp. So thank you, Chris, for, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. It was an uh, amazing time we had last Shabbat. You know, this thing about fearing him, uh, would we walk in fear, reverence, awe of him? What it does is it opens a door for us to see into his his thoughts for us. Thoughts of good and not for evil to give us a future and a hope. 